The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. My first guest this morning is a photographer, a food blogger and now an author. You might be one of the almost 60,000 people who follow Lily Forberg on her Instagram account, which is full of her family recipes and insights into her day-to-day life. Now Lily has released a cookbook. It's called Lily's Family Favourites and she joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning with more details. You're very welcome, Lily. Thank you so much for having me. How is everything going? You've had a very exciting pandemic experience in one way, haven't you? Oh, for us, it's been absolutely amazing. I know it's not hasn't been amazing for a lot of people, but for us, it's been absolutely amazing. Everything has changed with the book, with Instagram, because people were at home. They were all cooking my recipes. And I think it's through that that I got the book done. So oh, that's I, mad. I think that's so true. And, and so many other things as well, like you've had a house move and, and everything. Yes, so you forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, we also moved house <laughs> over the summer. So yeah, not stressful about at that. all. We got a dog a, lo- a lot. There you happened. go. <laughs> I tried scrolling through your Instagram to see when you first posted a food recipe. I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get down that far. Can you remember yeah, what you that what? first recipe was? Um, I think it was, I actually tried scrolling myself. I think it was probably some sort of a healthier muffin for my son when he was a baby and he's nine now. So it was a long time ago. It was was when Instagram was just starting out. I just kind of started putting pictures up and people were asking me for the recipe. So that's how it all started. And it's mad because I've always known your name. Like I think my friend had a 21st birthday photo shoot with you back in the day. I I think everyone had a 21st birthday photo shoot with me back in the day, back in the Bebo days. Yes, exactly. seemed to have been the thing um so so where did food come in because you know you're you do band shoots and fashion editorials so so how do you fit the food in as well I think food is just my life (laughs) it's my love like I've always loved food but I think it's really since my son was born I tried to make like healthier version recipes for him so like Mm -hmm. so he could hold like little muffins or oat bars and and it's really since Instagram started as well, it's to do with that. And I love always kind of sharing bits from my life and my family, small bits. So once I started that and, and sharing his food, people kind of asked me for the recipes. And it was from that. And I guess because I'm a photographer as well, I love shooting it. So I don't know if my stuff is much different to anybody else's household. I'm just a normal mom. I'm not a chef. I'm not a, like a, a cook. I just I just cook for my family and I think that's what people love seeing, just normal recipes. I totally agree with you because I think the first thing that I made from your Instagram and that I make regularly is your sweet and sour chicken. And I was, yes. you know the way you usually have to go to a supermarket to go and buy your rice vinegar and, and things that you don't have. Yeah. I just... And I bet you had everything Everything. At home. The ketchup, yeah. the brown sugar, the apple yeah. cider vinegar because at one stage I was drinking that every day I just gave up on that um, yeah and like and you could use any vinegar it doesn't have to be that one it could be any of them exactly whatever I think you, you have really grabbed a hold of something there you know that it wasn't stressful and you didn't have to go and find all yeah. these things I just try to simplify everything because for me it shouldn't be stressful it should just be simple and especially at, at the time when I was starting out all that kind of cooking I had a baby so I had no time to go mm-hmm. shopping I, I just had to do simple and I, that's all I can do I can't do anything complicated so I just share that mm. and like your knowledge though like I never thought that soy and honey would go so well together for example like is your food knowledge coming from somewhere from your mum for example or yes I think it's coming from my mum my mum always cooked from scratch Mm. as I was growing up and she always showed me how to do stuff I remember she showed me I I wrote about that in my book as well she showed me how to make a pasta sauce that was my that's actually my first memory of her showing me something she showed me how to make a tomato sauce and there was nothing ready if you get me it was just real tomatoes chopped up garlic just from real food just how to make how to make amazing restaurant quality food from normal real food that you have at home. Wow, I think pasta yeah. is the first thing I made when I was a teenager and I remember being so disappointed <laughs> because it was pasta <laughs> with some mozzarella thrown on top. And I was like, this isn't like the restaurants. So you had you had a good person to look up to. Um, you're yeah. originally from Israel, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Is that an influence in your food? Um, I guess it probably is because I love falafel. (laughs) That you know that that's actually one of my first videos that I shared on Instagram. Because back at the beginning there was no videos on Mm. Instagram; it was just pictures. But when I when I did my first video, I think it would have been falafel. So yeah, it's all that kind of food and hummus. I love Mm. hummus as well. So I love the kind of Mediterranean food. And are you sweet or a savory type person? Um, that's hard to say. I'm kind of both depending on my mood. Um, I definitely need sweet, but I definitely need my savory. Oh no, I can't answer that. Okay. <laughs> both. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Your son is really involved in your yes. food and has started making things himself. That must be so great to see. 
Oh my God, it's absolutely amazing. He loves cooking and he loves helping me with my videos. And then on the weekend, he would make us his our brunch. Like he makes eggs himself. He can do it all himself. He can make muffins. Uh, I love seeing that. And he's only nine so, wow. and he loves doing it. He absolutely loves it. And he, and he puts his own twist in it as well. And he says, mommy, I don't want to look at the recipe. I want to, I want to make my own. So I love that. That's amazing. And, and like a lovely, like whole family experience to do as well. Yeah, that's what that's what I love about cooking. I don't feel like it should be complicated. It should be a fun experience for everybody. And then at the end, sitting down, eating it all together mm -hmm. is also mm -hmm. brilliant. And your recipes as well, they're not, they don't take a long time. So it's not like you're waiting an no. hour and a half for something to be ready. No, who has time for that? You mm. know what I mean? It has to be quick and easy. Mm. That's all I can do, quick and easy. So when did the cookbook come about? When When did this all start? So the cookbook, so basically, as I was sharing the recipes, it kind of grew over lockdown. People had time to cook. They had to stay at home. They couldn't go to restaurants. I got so much feedback, especially on my sweet and sour. I, I think hundreds of people, mm. maybe even thousands made it. And um, then they, my followers kept telling me, you need to release a cookbook. You need to release a cookbook. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And then the O'Brien Press just contacted me and asked me, do I want to do a book? So I was like, just okay. Like just like that. Just like that, yeah. Just an right. email. So and then I did. <laughs> and did you take the photographs yourself for the cookbook? Of course, yeah. Okay. I did I did everything myself, yeah. And I had a lovely editor, Emma, who helped me edit everything. But other than that, everything myself, yeah. Wow. And when you're taking photos and videos for Instagram, are you just using your phone in those situations? Um, not always. Sometimes okay. I would use my phone and sometimes I would use my camera. It really just depends on my mood and the kind of vibe. Sometimes for Instagram, I like to use my phone because I feel like people are more, it's more relatable to mm -hmm. people rather than to see really professional photos done with a camera. Okay. It's kind of nice to see it on the phone because people can feel like that they're doing it themselves. It looks more real. Okay. And yeah, but I, I mix it up. And are there new recipes in the cookbook as well as things that we've seen on Instagram? Yes, there's some new ones as well. So the cookbook is a collection of my my most, like the stuff on Instagram that people love. So I know mm. they're good. They're all tried and tested by my Instagram community. And then there's some new ones as well. I had to put in a few new ones. Okay. And sweet and savory, obviously, since you love both. Sweet and savory and um, really lovely lunchbox, lunchbox things from my, that I made. I, I, sorry. I love making lunchbox things for my son's lunchbox. Mm. And whenever I show lunchbox vid videos, they, are, they go wild for it, all the people. So um, I love showing that. And wild and for I the lunchboxes that you use as well. Because you've kind of got a bento box, isn't that right? It looks yes. like a bento box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love doing the little bento boxes because it's not like one big thing. It's little, mm. it's like kind of like a, a, a picker, a picking, pick and mix thing for for the lunchbox so it's like a little muffin or some hummus like you know that way kind of mix mix and match mm -hmm. and do you have a favorite recipe in your book so I mentioned that already my sweet and sour I think is probably my favorite mm -hmm. I think because so many people make it and also it's what I'd order when I order takeaway and <laughs> I actually think it tastes better than a takeaway and is and it something that you do regularly in your house as well yeah and you know what I use my book every day my own book which I think is absolutely mad I, I can't even believe that it's actually happening. I have my book on my counter and I use my own recipes, which is amazing to me yeah, and mad. <laughs> surreal, really surreal. And Lily, is your Instagram experience mostly a positive one? Um, to me, it is 100% a positive one. Oh, that's I, I probably would have gotten the odd, weird comment, mm. but nothing like to the extent of, oh, this lunchbox looks gross. That's probably... <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I would have gotten. Okay. <laughs> TikTok now is much worse. I've started sharing oh, on TikTok, and that's oh yeah. Oh, I'm so disappointed to, have... to hear that. I thought that TikTok oh, was yeah. a lovely positive space. No, 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 no. Okay, all right. No, you have to have thick skin to be on TikTok because people just say whatever is in their head. <laughs> wow. Okay. So maybe stick to Instagram where you've got. A lovely, yeah, but with me again, it's just, it's just about yeah, it's just about the lunchbox. So they would say, oh, the sandwich looks gross. So it's nothing. To, you know that way it's nothing too serious with yeah. all the, the kind of yeah, stuff that I share yeah nasty yeah I'm glad to hear yeah. that well look congratulations yeah. as I said you've such lovely things on your Instagram and you know they, they you. look gorgeous and they taste gorgeous so your book is well deserved it's called Lily's Family Favourites it's published by the O'Brien Press and it is out now Lily thanks a million for joining me this morning thank you so much for having me The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103 
Well, my next guest is an improv coach who is using his skills to help people who may have lost their communication skills thanks to the, pan- to the pandemic. Neil Curran has taught and presented improv around the world and he teaches improvisation as both a performing art and as a corporate skill and a life skill as well. He's on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome, Neil. Hey, Orla, how's it going? Really good, thank you. I'm really intrigued by this. I have been to improvs in the past and I think what I consider improv to be is probably very shallow and probably, you know, there's so much more going on. Would you agree? Oh, totally. I mean, we associate improv with comedy and entertainment. A lot of people Mm. probably associate with whose line is it anyway. But the skills behind it are such a contagious, infectious, addictive thing to be part of, regardless of what you're using it. And they've become such important skills for us in life as well, particularly with what we've gone through with COVID, you know, Mm. trying to reconnect with our social skills. But yeah, it's kind of like the output is is comedy and entertainment. That's how we most normally associate it. So how would you describe improv? But to me, improv is a process of communication, regardless of whether you're doing it for entertainment purposes or you want to kind of nail your next presentation and work. It's it's a process of communication. Yeah, people often say improv is, it feels like chaos because there's no script because mm. on stage we're unscripted performers. We're too lazy to learn lines. So we're just making it up as we go along. <laughs> but essentially, we're still operating within a structure because your 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 show might be 20 minutes, half an hour long. So you have a structure to operate in and you're tapping into creativity. If you're performing on stage with other people, you're leveraging those people people as resources and that process of communication is us discovering well who are our characters what's the story about and what's happening what's their relationship so you're using you know non-verbal communication skills you're obviously using your language and your dialogue and things like how you feel in the moment your emotions you're using all of those things to kind of form the big picture form the story and in turn pass that to your audience that's really interesting do you think there is someone like you know I'd say Barack Obama would have been great at improv, for example. You know, that very affable, charming person who's a great communicator. Is that an example of someone who takes, improvises in every conversation? I, well, there's, we all improvise in, in conversation and we mm. don't have to think of people like Obama. Obama's an introvert, believe it or not. He, oh, he's okay. an introvert. Um, so, you know, you would sometimes say, well, maybe extroverts are naturally leaning and into improv easier. And why would you say he's an easier, introvert? And well, you know, he's a known introvert, so he does internet. But when we think of introvert, extrovert, it's a bit like a scale. Mm. Like I would consider myself in some situations to have introvert tendencies and other situations I would have extrovert tendencies. Mm. So where most of us are actually ambi- ambiverts. Yeah, I'm definitely so, ambivert. you know, we, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's totally fine. Like, for example, networking situations, that's where my introversion skills kind of come to the mm. forefront. But put me on stage or put, give me, get me to do a presentation without a script and I'm, I'm, I'm in my element. So we don't have to think of these high profile people like Obama as, you know, the, 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 the top tier elite when it comes to communication, because it's just basic skills behind it all. Confidence is a huge part of it. Mm. And conf- confidence is a very complex thing. We sometimes equate confidence with experience, but anyone who's a fear of flying will tell you, well, the more I get on a plane doesn't make me any more confident mm-hmm. and take, make me any more at ease. So sometimes we have to view confidence a bit like a choice that we make. So, you know, for example, if you're going to do a presentation today, for example, or you're going to do an interview and your mindset going into it is, oh, I don't really think I'm going to get this job or my boss is in this interview or is in this presentation. I don't think it's going to go well. You're kind of making a choice not to be confident going into it. Okay. Whereas if you adopt that kind of positive mindset, that's it's not going to make necessarily give you the best possible solution, but it's certainly is going to arm you to have that kind of more positive mindset and attitude to kind of achieving achieving success and the very nature of improv because we don't have a script we're not worried about things going wrong so we're kind of letting go of that kind of fear of failure that we often harbor as adults and just focusing on having fun and enjoying the experience instead and is that one of the skills that you teach focusing on having fun and being positive in a situation Oh, very much so. You know, I I often kind of feel that when we're improvising, it's not work because we're we're having fun. And that should be always our priority is find the enjoyment of what we're doing, whether it's for a work situation or whether it's for a performing situation, Mm. just finding the fun. You know, you can't get, no one's broken improv. Improv has been around for hundreds of centuries and centuries and no one's broken improv yet. So Mm. we need to let go of that fear that we have as adults of making mistakes. Mistakes are just a normal part of life. But I presume you also talk about prep because... Even if you're in improv, you don't just wing it, do you? 
Well, actually, even the term wing it doesn't even mean improv because wing it comes from the theatre days when actors would have somebody at the side mm. at the side of the stage feeding them their lines. And um, so, no, we genuinely when we go out on stage, when I go on stage, I have no prep done. I actually okay. do a show where I take an audience member who has no improv experience and I make them my co-star in the show. So there's no way I could plan that. Okay. <laughs> um, so one person's panic is another person's excitement. <laughs> so we genuinely don't don't prep, and that's okay because our relationship as adults with preparation comes from how we're educated like in school you're treated like mm. a filing cabinet the teacher throws information at you you have to remember it and regurgitate it in an exam but like when we become adults and we go into work that approach to preparing and planning for meetings for presentations doesn't necessarily feed feed us the same way so we have to think of prep in a totally different way like if you take something like presenting you know presenting you know when you you prepare for a presentation you're not learning off your presentation by heart mm. so you're prepping it in a different way so structure becomes very important okay. from an improv perspective um, we can still reach our a game by not having any prep done and stepping out on stage so what can we take from that experience and map it to our personal or professional lives okay so let's talk about the pandemic and how it has changed some people's communication skills have you seen this Oh, totally. I mean, the pandemic reset nearly everyone's social skills. We were out of practice with social skills. Yes, we were surrounded by friends, by close friends and certainly family. Mm. But when we had to re-engage in society, our ability to re-engage at the level we were at pre before the pandemic was somewhat skewed. In fact, studies showed that some extroverts were really struggling re-engaging in society because they were out of practice. Introverts, not so much because introverts were kind of used to you know, not necessarily engaging socially mm. at the same level as extroverts. But extroverts, when I started doing my classes again in person after the pandemic, people who would consider themselves extroverts said they really struggled making eye contact with strangers. Okay. So small little things like that. And of course, no one tells you this. So we kind of would start saying, what's what's happened to me? What's going on? So we have to give an allowance for that kind of reconnection God, with it's society. it's funny you say that because I haven't had anyone in studio for a really long time. And I have noticed that... You know, we're quite in close quarters whenever there's someone in here. And that eye contact is weird for me. And it's something I would be so used to in the past, you know? Isn't it? And it's so funny. It's like yeah. such a simple thing we take for granted. Yes, uh, we've forgotten how to do it. Yeah. So how does improvisation help with those sort of skills then? Especially for people who maybe aren't, you know, the pandemic changed their lives, changed them seeing people. Maybe they're working from home and, you know, can turn their screen off and don't have to really engage. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, this, this might sound like a bit of a flippant comment, but I often think when we're learning improv, it's teaching us to not care about what we think other people think of okay. us because we're very we concerned with that. how we're perceived. Mm -hmm. We definitely could do with that. Um, so if you think about the image of us on, on our screens during the pandemic, you know, we had our pajamas on from the bottom down and the top up, the makeup's <laughs> done and the, and the shirt. You know, we didn't care what people couldn't see. Mm. So improv teaches us, you know, not to care about, and the important thing is what we think other people think of us. You know, but m most people were so obsessed with ourselves where we don't care about anyone else but in our own head we think that everyone's focused on us so improv teaches us to just let go of that and as we get used to that idea we realize it frees, a lot, frees up a lot of our brain power and our energy you know stress worry anxiety take up so much of our mind space mm -hmm. and once we're able to let go of that it frees us up to be kind of tap into our best self so when you think about communicating so if i'm going to a meeting if i'm presenting whatever it may be be it online or in person if i'm not concerned with things that are kind of irrational fears irrational thoughts it allows me to just focus on being my best self. What's what's delivering value here? What do I need to do? As opposed to saying to myself, oh God, Orla's is on and Orla's is my boss. What's she going to think of me? Or, you know, those things. I have to blur out my background because maybe the kids had all the toys out on the, the previous mm -hmm. night. You know, all those things that are just so irrelevant. And then taking that a step further, maybe with those people who are used to working from home, but then have to go and take part in social lives. Do you find improvisation would help them then to kind of step out from that maybe introverted okay. lifestyle. Completely. I mean, improv itself, what I find from my own classes is that friendships form in those classes in ways that people wouldn't normally meet. And mm. um, so it helps in their social skills directly there. But I often hear that from previous students that, you know, they, you know, they, they've got more wholesome friendships. Some people feel more comfortable dating. They're now more proactive on the dating scene, things like that. So it definitely enhances our social skills. Again, it comes back to not caring about what we think other people think of us. Mm. That's such a, a, a lift off our shoulders. Um, but it's a lovely thing. One of the nice things about learning improv is that whether it's a hobby or a skill for somebody is that you're meeting people from all walks of life. You know, if someone's into sport, you're generally going to meet sporty people at sporting events. But with improv, you've got people from all backgrounds, all the 
hugely diverse, all ages, all different professions. So you're getting to meet and kind of hang out with people that you may not necessarily meet throughout your day to day. And that, again, is, is such a such a lovely experience. Yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, you can go on to Neil's website if you want to check out some of the courses, if you're interested in seeing how improv could help your communication skills. Lowerthetone.com. But you're all over social media, aren't you? Sure, I've nothing better to me doing to myself. That's why all my friends are, are in the improv world. There you go. Instagram <laughs> storying like there's no tomorrow. Is it lower the tone on your social media platforms or Neil Curran that we're searching for? No, very originally I'm just called Improv Neil on all the okay. on all the grams. Well, I'm glad I asked. Brilliant. The best Neil. I could do. <laughs> Thanks a million. That was so interesting. And uh, best of luck with everything. Thanks a million, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week returned to RTE this week with some great representation from the southeast, including Aoife O'Sullivan, who's a secondary school teacher from County Bushford, and she's on the phone this morning. Hiya, Aoife. Hiya, Orla. How are you? Very well. <laughs> You've been doing a little bit of Ultimate Hell Week celebrating, haven't you? You've a bit of a sore throat Absolutely. from that. Absolutely. Absolutely, feeling a bit rough this morning. <laughs> Are you doing a lot of shouting, Aoife? Oh, absolutely. What's new? What's new, Orla? <laughs> so tell me, you're from County Waterford, but you're teaching in Dublin, is that right? In Clondalkin, yes. I teach Irish and French. In okay, Clondalkin, lovely. Dublin. And where are you from in Waterford? I'm from Tremor. Okay, great stuff. Now, really good lovely. representation from the southeast. Uh, every county, I think, Bar Carlo, I think, is no, is someone from Wexford who lives in Carlo. So we do have representation, and we've everything yeah. from a dairy farmer, hurley maker. Yeah. We've got guards, yeah. and then we've got you, a teacher, in there as well. And you're all one of the yeah. twenty-eight civilians that take on the Hell Week. And when they describe the twenty-eight civilians who take on Ultimate Hell Week, they always call them extremely fit, which means I would just yeah. be out. Are you extremely fit, Eva? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, the, the physical element is one side to it. But I mean, like, you know, it takes its toll on just every single part of you. You know, like, it was the toughest thing I've ever done in my whole life. Until anyone's, anyone's actually done the show and been there, people don't realise, like, just how insane it is. Like, I know people are like, oh, you're, you're hardly, you know, you're hardly in, on the front line in Iraq, you know? But I mean, the minute you get there, you actually just feel like you're in a different world. Um, I'll just never, I'll never forget the experience. It was absolutely insane. Now, it was and, a long uh, time ago, was it, the experience itself? It was, yeah. We're waiting almost a year to see this, okay. you know. So um, it just kept getting postponed because of COVID or whatever. But uh, you know what? It's going to be so worth the wait. Like, it's, it's an unbelievable series. And, like, all the other recruits were just incredible, you know. They're just all incredible people. And there's actually another girl from Waterford, Clara Hogan, who did, who, did, who did the show with me as well. She's also a teacher from Waterford. So... You know, we're, we're so proud of the two of us from Waterford representing the ladies, you know. So, uh, yeah, we would be delighted now. It was great to have the support of her as well. And she's an incredible, incredible, tough cookie. So tell us about <laughs> yourself, uh, Danifa. What is it that makes you the candidate to take on <laughs> Ultimate Hell Week? Like, like, what do you do in your day-to-day life apart from teaching that? Well, you know, Are I, you I, the I, extremely fit person we they would expect? Well, to be honest, when I told them, when I told my friends I did it, like everyone was like, "That is that show was made for you." People like people were surprised, you know. They were like, "Literally, that is that is that show is you written on." And why is that? I don't know. I guess I just uh, I don't know. I I love the insanity of it all, you know. (laughs) Like for me, when I was watching the the last few series, like watching that for me was just making me really excited. I was like, "Oh my god, I would love to be them," you know. And uh, then, like, I actually. I think an ad popped up online for an application, and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to sign up for this!" And it actually—it's actually what kept me going through COVID. Okay. I was training for this show all during COVID, so you know it was brilliant to have that goal to work towards. You know, mm. and um, I mean, the training was fairly brutal. I was training for months and months of preparation. And what sort of you know? stuff were you doing to train? Oh, I was getting up at like three in the morning, going out running in Dublin um, on the streets—not the safest, but I mean, look, has to be done. Mm. And then when I was down in Tremor, I um was doing, like, I, I hate the cold, I hate heights, I was going out swimming in the sea, swimming, like, three, four, or five times a week in the freezing cold, I'm terrified of heights as well, and even, like, jumping off in, jumping off the Gillamine in Tremor was terrified me, you know? And many a day, like, I'd go out to the Gillamine, and, like, I'd freeze at the diving board, it sounds pathetic, but I wouldn't be able to jump in, because I was so terrified, mm. and I was like, oh my god, how am I going to get through this? But look, eventually, you know, I got used to it, I got used to the cold, and I remember there was one day, um, 
I kind of try to stay away from Tamora Beach, to be honest, because like, you look a bit like a lunatic going in and out of the water, you know, going off funny again. Mm. <laughs> so, because uh, people didn't know what I was training for, you know, so I used to go to Darren Beach and, uh, you know, I'd be running along the sea, I'm running by the beach and then I'd throw myself into the water and get up, go running again, you know. <laughs> Must look like an absolute fruitcake, to be honest. <laughs> but is this the sort of stuff that you would have done before you decided to take part in no, Like, were you a triathlete no. or anything like that? No, no. Oh. I mean, I was always into sport when I was younger. I was into you know, football, athletics, and I'm, I do cross, you now I train across the water okay. so I mean... So you are kind of very fit, are sport. you? Yeah, I, I like to keep fit anyway, sport is a huge part of my life, okay. and, um, you know, the, the CrossFit is quite extreme as well, in, in, in certain ways, you know, you push your body, you really do push your body, so I'm, I'm well used to pushing myself, you know, I enjoy, I think it's incredible what the human body can do, you know, when you, when you push yourself that much, you know, we're all capable of so much more than we think. We just have to push ourselves at extra limits, you know? I, I've heard it's not just about being physically fit. It's about being emotionally and psychologically oh, fit as well. Were, were you even able to um, prepare for something like that? No, like the thing is, like, you know, you, you, you think you're prepared. And I had a coach, brilliant coach, uh, Shane Elliott, from Cross the Waterford. He, mm. I would have been lost without him, you know. He, he gave me guidance. He was telling me what to do. We were trying to work on the mental element of things, you know. Um, but, like, you, you can't really prepare yourself for that, in my opinion. You're either mentally able for it or you're not. You know, the kind of way you can't really train that, in my opinion. But, uh, oh, I mean, like, the DS, they're insane. Like, they just, they target every, like, every little part of your body is just, like, in bits. You know, like, I remember I came home from the show and I was battered. I'm not sure if you saw the photos. But um, my, my legs were black and blue. I was battered. People thought it was in a car crash, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and... And then as well, like, the lack of sleep, the sleep deprivation is the worst. Oh, so my God. constant, uh, just constant. Yeah, yeah, you see, I, I just go, go, go. There is there is no stopping. And um, I remember, I don't think I slept for maybe the first two or three days. Because I remember um, I was just so in bits on the first night. We get about an hour and a half sleep most nights. But, I mean, like, it's so hard to sleep. And even when you are sleeping, you have to get up um, and kind of go patrolling around. People have to take turns and patrol the barracks. Oh, like, it was just insanity. And... The lack of sleep alone just messes with your head, you know. Like I was hallucinating when I was there. So you're and, delighted uh, you did it, did it, are you? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it was it was the craziest, most mental. Like, it was just insane. But I mean, with the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. Really? You know, I mean, yeah. Oh, it was incredible. You know, like we just, just the experiences we shared with the people there. I mean, like you know, it just brought everyone so close. We just felt like a family. You know, it was just like oh, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and. Uh, I think the sleep deprivation was probably the worst, though, you know, mm-hmm. because, like, every part of you is just in agony. I remember um, jumping off a bridge. I'm terrified of heights as it is. I jumped off the bridge. I jumped off the bridge wrong and belly flopped from Ooh. quite a large height. Okay. Um, I hit the water. Oh, my God, all of the pain oh. was excruciating, excruciating. I hit the water, and I thought I'd broken several ribs. Wow. I, I was so lucky that I didn't break any bones. I mean, several people, like, cracked, cracked ribs. One guy... One girl cracked her sternum. Uh, another guy broke several ribs, and he was telling me last night that the cartilage came away from the bone. Oh, oh like crazy stuff! Okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> madness. I mean, but what did like, you learn so... from your about yourself, Eva? Like, what, what what have you taken from that week? Just that, to be honest, that like I, I'm 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 able to push myself so much more than I can. Yeah, I mm. never thought I'd be able to do all that kind of stuff and no sleep, you know. And I suppose. You know, it just makes you a stronger, kind of better person, I think. You know, if you're if you're able to put yourself through that pain and hardship, you know, everything in my my life now just seems easier. You know, even like simple things like when I'm walking home with, with loads of bags of shopping, you know, I'm like, this is nothing, you know, I put myself mm. through anywhere. I jumped off a like, bridge. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel I think I could just take on things. I don't moan as much, you know, I'm like, whatever, I've done I've done way worse than this, you know, I've been yeah. through hell. Yeah. So now I kind of approach things and things just seem easier, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> was there a day in the week, though, that you did think this is too much? Because you've just said the word oh, hell. That is the ultimate. Yeah, and that's yeah. why it's called Ultimate Hell Week. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, to be honest, Orla, on day two, right? So basically, I, I I got a bit of negative attention from the DS from the start. You know, I went with the makeup done, you know, had the glitter on the eyes. And I kind of wore a big, like, puffy vintage jacket. So I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, right? Okay. And the DS targeted that, and they really picked on that. And they kept picking on me. <laughs> and um, on the second day, they made me orderly sergeants. And I mean, I hadn't got to wink at the stage. Oh. You know, I was I was hallucinating. I was in bed. I was mm. in agony. 
And if you're an orderly sergeant, basically, you're in charge of the whole group. You're in charge of giving instructions. And I mean, I I was absolutely awful. I, 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 the DS were telling me instructions that I was meant to like tell to the group. And so they were going in one ear at the other, you know? Mm. And uh, I was just in a different world. And uh, I did. I made an absolute shambles of the job. And on day two, we had to do a challenge called Scratch, which is basically... Um, it's like imagine a massive swamp walk, and when you're standing in the muck, you sink down. Okay. And like, if you're sinking down like up to your knees, we had to crawl on our stomachs, like uh, dragging our dragging our hands and body through the muck. We also had like, a bag of sand right back, maybe about 30 kilos. And I mean, once that got wet, that was a dead body weight, you know? And that was uh, that was probably the toughest thing I've ever done in my whole life. It went on for hours and oh, hours and hours. I would be done. Myself, I would be yeah, at home funny. drinking a hot chocolate yeah, at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, like, I think I looked to the side at one stage and, like, one girl was crying and she was yeah. crawling, you know, and then you have the DS screaming, you know. They're like, go on, take off your armband now, take off your armband now, you know, there's a nice hot, hot cup of tea waiting for you there. They're constantly torturing you. I mean, that was probably the toughest thing I've ever done in my and whole life. that was life. only day two? That was only day two. And that was the day I was being totally <laughs> sergeant. Oh. And then after the challenge, I was, I was just in bits. And I remember... Um, I, we were told to bring an extra pair of runners to that event, right? And uh, she thought, didn't I lose everyone's runners? <laughs> I forgot to bring the runners back. Oh, we got back to the dorms. And the DS committee was like, right, number 19, tell everyone to put their, their runners on or something like that. And I was like, oh my God, where's oh, the no, runners? Oh, it dawned on you. Oh, stop. Oh, listen. Like, even, they're, they're, they're just, they're insane. And like, even, see, you might be on the way to an event, right? Mm. And, um, you're like daily, get, get, I get tired of the sleep now on the bus. And then the DS was like, right, whoever closes their eyes is, is getting kicked home. So you'd have to like look at the DS in the eyes. You weren't even allowed to shut your eyes at times. You know, that's just another way of torturing us, you know? Yeah, torture. Uh, torture is the right word, yeah. it sounds like. But look, yeah, yeah. what was your torture in Ultimate Hell Week is our entertainment and it's on yeah, every yeah. Thursday at 9.30. <laughs> the first one is just done. You can watch it on the RT player yeah. and then next Thursday at 9.30. You can't tell us how you did or anything, but look, <laughs> it sounds like you had a phenomenal experience. So congratulations yeah, yeah. and enjoy the Thanks next so five weeks with your students as they're watching yeah, you yeah, on the yeah. television. <laughs> I, I, and you know what, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Um, the girls this year were just absolutely incredible, oh, you know. It's just, Good um, they really, in my opinion, everyone was incredible. The, the girls, the strength of the girls, they really just stole the show. You know, Brilliant. it was incredible to see. Great. You know, um, and just great to see all the ladies representing, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Good to hear. And listen, best yeah. luck with everything and thanks a million for talking to me this morning. Oh, thanks so much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's a Sunday morning here on Beat 102-103 and you are listening to the Sunday Grill. Well, let's head to Carlo, where my next guest is producing a stand-up comedy fundraiser for Carlo Pride. It's on on May 7th and Shannon Basso-Gall is going to tell us more about that. From Carlo, aren't you? You're not a blow Yeah, I am. I, 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 well, technically, uh, a bit of a blow-in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all my family's from... All my family's from Carlo. Uh, was born in London. Okay. Lived there for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to Mayo when I was oh, four. I lived okay. there for ten years, and then moved to Carlo when I was about fourteen. Now, to 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 stand up my blowing, um, sta- um <laughs> to to maybe fight against the blowing. Okay. Uh, all my family is based. All my Irish family is from Carlo. Okay. <laughs> Just in case so, anyone accuses you of being a blow-in. Yeah, I had, I had some tent poles already in Carlo. The tent just wasn't put up yet. Okay, okay. So and now, now it's like, there. And you've got aunts and uncles fully, and all to say, yes, he aunts, is part uh, of look, our you own. Can go, you can go through the family history. Okay. okay. It's, it's all backed up. Okay, so London, <laughs> Mayo, a bit of time in New Zealand that we'll talk about, and now back yeah. in Carlo. Back in Carlo, yeah. I am... I, um, What's the comedy scene like in Carlo? Uh, non-existent yet <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> uh, well, well, it's 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 actually quite funny. Um, the person I started com- like I started comedy. The first ever gig I did was in Cambodia with another comic from Lachlan Bridge. Like okay. my, myself, I'm, I'm living on Lachlan Bridge. We uh, Jason Brennan is the other comic. From 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 uh, and you he found each other in Cambodia. Found each other in Cambodia, and um, we were quite. We, we we went to watch a a, a, 
a Conor McGregor fight at like four o'clock in the morning. There okay. was a time difference there. And uh, we were um, a little bit worse for wear. Right. And then the bartender goes, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a comedian. And I was not a comedian at the time. Oh, okay. And he's like, do you want... oh, no, I'd never done it before. And he's like, do you want to do a gig tomorrow night? Oh, and I was no. like, yeah, of course. Of course. Oh, no. Totally forgot about this. Right. And then me and Jason were on the beach the next day. And the, the owner walks by. He's like, you good for that gig tonight? And I was like, oh, J-. I was like, Jason, by the way, we're doing a gig tonight. And was um, Jason a comedian at that stage? He was. Yeah, okay. no, he was a comedian. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's a comedian. He's quite, quite successful. So, like, I knew I was somewhat safe. Okay. And I w- we did the gig and it went it went it went quite well. I I I have a recording of it. I haven't dared look at it yet. <laughs> when was um, this? But I remember about I was about three and a half years okay. ago. Okay. And then I was backpacking around and then and then that that went fine. I was like, okay, I can do that. And then um I started kind of properly in New Zealand um just over three years ago. Okay. And And do they get you in yeah. New Zealand? Do they get your Mayo London Carlo humor? Yes. Oh, it, it took a while to get over, like, to kind of um, bridge the gap. <laughs> and then and once, because but there's a lot of expats in, in New Zealand mm. as well. So, like, we, like I ended up, we ended a friend of mine from Scotland ended up being in New Zealand as well. We kind of toured all around wow. New Zealand. Okay. Uh, doing Irish and Scottish shows to, like, expats. And we do some places and you wouldn't hear a Kiwi voice in the audience you'd okay. all be like oh how are you getting on and you'd be like Jesus where am I like, you know what I mean yeah I get and you. it was it was great like so so that was really good uh, and um, they, they got me and when, when I came back to Ireland I actually found doing stand up a lot easier because I don't have to um, translate mm. what I'm saying in my head totally Direct. There was like not not so much of a delay, but there was like okay, I can't say it like this. I can't do this expression. I have to kind of filter it through. Um, and I have found that it's been much uh, totally more. like even your Cambodia story of being on the beach and someone saying, "Are you ready for the gig?" is such an Irish story. You know, I think if you told oh, yeah. that to an American, they just wouldn't get why that's funny. You know, no. no <laughs> so there is an was... Irish humor there. So are you back before, or after, during the pandemic? When did so you come I was back? away. F- I was away for all of the pandemic. Okay, so um, you were in New Zealand, were you? I was in New Zealand, okay. and we got a, a little bit of it. Uh, we had uh, we, had, we had like two major lockdowns. Okay, yeah, and um, it was very well managed in New Zealand, wasn't it? It was. It was well. It was well managed, and as a, a, a friend of mine said, is like it has nothing to do with the fact that they're one of the furthest countries away yes. from everything else. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> they had. They saw. They saw. They got a bit of a head start. They saw it coming for a while. <laughs> Um, so they they were able to prep. Um, yeah. But you were kind of stuck then, were you? You couldn't come home, or we, we were we were pretty much we were pretty much stuck there. Mm-hmm. Which in a way, like it was good because, um, like for, for me personally, it was good because it was one of the only places for a while that stand up was happening in the world. Of course, yeah, you didn't have to do any Zoom events. No, I I dodged them yeah. so hard. Good I stuff. Was, I was I heard horror stories from mm-hmm. them. I know some people have had good times. Doing those, um, but I wasn't ready to put myself through that. No, no. Um, so we we were out doing live events, and like it was just after the lockdown. It was a real um, a real burst on the scene. Everyone just wanted to get out of the house, and it was amazing for me. I thought like two or three months, every single show was sold out. Brilliant. Even shows that you maybe get like six or seven people, like we had to turn people away. Okay, um, and, and that. And because there was lots of really talented comedians who came back just for the Fringe Festival, they got stuck in New Zealand and couldn't go anywhere. Okay. So you're t- you're touring with people who were like are are like amazing professional comedians, and they're all stuck in the one country. So you're getting to gig next to these people, Brilliant. learn off these people. Like the best work experience and ever. It was, yeah, it was, it was. So then you and came then, home. Then I came home, came home in just November, late, late, late November last year. Of 2021. Um, okay. So, of, of, of 2021. As you said, yeah. a completely different vibe when it comes to comedy where you are now in Lachlan Bridge. But you are um, holding a event on May the 7th for yep. Stand Up for Pride, you're calling it. It's so, in aid of Carlo Pride Festival. 
it's in it. All proceeds are in aid of, of, of okay. the Okay, and we've Carlo had the Pride lads Festival. who've organised Carlo Pride in here. I think, God, it was well before the pandemic. But when it comes to having a good time, they know how to how to organise exactly. a good event, don't they? Exactly. No, they absolutely smash it. And I was, I was, I was very proud to see what they did. Oh, they're amazing. It, you yeah. know, it was great to see it because, like, it, obviously the event was great. Like they had like three and a half thousand people. It's one of the biggest community events I think there's ever been in Cairo. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was brilliant. And not gonna be, not gonna lie. I was like, I'm kind of sad I'm not part of that. So mm-hmm. uh, from a very selfish reason, I was like, I'm gonna do a, a fundraiser. For it. I don't want to be part of it. Um, <laughs> but it's like, like we're doing, we're doing it because like I, I want, I, I want to help out. We yeah, want, we want to totally. like. It's it want to help out the fundraiser, but also help out the, the the festival, but also bring something different to Carlo as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we we were we're looking to like there I think there's been like the, the Tommy Tiernan and all those have, have played individual, but there isn't really a kind of a, a start a gap in between that mm-hmm. where people can turn up and laugh and almost like have an audience that are, are, are used to going out to see stand-up and okay. see something that they haven't seen before. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what happens in towns around the southeast. You know, a comedian will come, will come to a hotel or something and you'll go to see that because the event is on. Whereas what you're doing is, it's almost like a little festival in one night. You have six acts and you're the MC, isn't that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have six acts, six amazing acts. Um, Simon O'Keefe, the headliner, he's a, he's he's made like multiple appearances at the Vodafone Festival. Um, he's a writer on the you know Clear History Show on RTE. Okay. Um, and I just a, just a couple of weeks ago he was supporting Joanne McNally at, at Victor Street. Good stuff. Um, and the rest of the acts are are, are, are amazing. Um, so it's going to be a great night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Well, it's on Saturday, May the seventh in Scraggs Alley. Wow, the yep. that's that's just bringing me back to my youth, Scraggs Alley. Um, <laughs> on Tullow it's, it's Scraggs Alley is our biggest landmark. It's bigger than the Dolman, I'll tell you that. Like, <laughs> it is. I agree with you. Uh, doors are from seven. You need to go on to Eventbrite if you're uh, if you want to get some tickets. And if you search for stand up for Pride tickets, you'll find it there on Eventbrite. It looks like a great night, Shannon. And what a way to yeah. get involved in Carlo Pride. Now that you're only back a few months, you can say that you're involved in it. Yeah, and, and and I just want to give a shout out to all the uh, organisers who've helped me kind of with getting this together, and they've been amazing with facilitating stuff for for getting the night together. And just in terms of the tickets, you can get the tickets on Eventbrite, and mm-hmm. um, also uh, if you can, f- also Carlo Pride will be posting stuff about it um, at Carlo Pride Fest. They're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I will be there will be a ticket link on my own Instagram at SBG Comedy. So that's Sierra. Bravo Golf I had to look up I had to look it up not gonna lie well done I'm not gonna lie yeah I did that was a lot of research um, and as well people if they want to donate but can't make it on the night uh, there is a donation link on the event bright so if you can't make it but want to give a little bit something there will be um, there is a link for that so you can donate whatever whatever they can afford and okay. for every Every Ireland's favourite event, we do have a raffle on the night as well. Okay. Look, you can't have Good an event stuff. without a raffle. That is true. Um, that is, is true. true. And, uh, I think, yeah, so that's, yeah, it's going to be a great one. It's going to be a great one. Good stuff. Um, great. Yeah. And as you said, uh, proceeds to Carlo Pride Festival. And you can check out their Facebook as well to see what they're doing this summer for Carlo Pride as well. It was a huge event back in July 2019. And of course, a bit scuppered with the pandemic after that. But I'm sure they're intending to be back with a bang this summer, are they? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a great one again. It's gonna be a big one. I think like everyone again, any events that hasn't been on for the last two years, people are really totally. chomping at the bit to get out. And I think everyone, even producers and people who put festivals together, are trying to really make something uh, special for people. Um, because we we've been kind of locked off for the last couple of years. Brilliant. Well, look, I'll make you do the phonetics again. Tell people how to get onto your Instagram. That's probably the best place to get all the details. So it is. Are you gonna you gonna make me do it again? <laughs> yeah, just S, in case. S for Sierra. S-B- See, oh yeah, thank you. You're backing me up now. B. Bravo. Was it what's B Bravo. again? Bravo. Oh god, I already forgot. Yeah. G. Um, uh, comedy. Ga- what What's the G Just, in the phonetic terms though? Golf. Golf. Well done. Okay, so S B G comedy. I kept saying S B. I've got S B G, and I go S Sierra Bravo Foxtrot, and I know that's that's wrong. 
I kept doing that. So I nailed it. I'm really proud yeah, of well that. Yeah, well done. Well done. And on the yeah. radio as well. Very proud. Okay, so SBG Comedy on Instagram is where you'll get more details on the event that yeah. Shannon is emceeing in Scraggs Alley in Carlo uh, in aid of Carlo Pride Festival, May 7th. A brilliant lineup. Have a look. Shannon, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks a million, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. He's a man of many talents and he's back this morning to tell us about a movie that enjoyed, didn't enjoy, or are we giving yeah. it all away too soon? Yeah, giving it away too soon. Okay. Uh, does a star cast mean a star movie? Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, who's just back from Wexford, uh, yeah. Brad Pitt and Daniel Radcliffe, a star in Lost City. It has a really quirky premise, I thought. Uh, let's have a listen and then Brian will explain more and, of course, critique. Oh. Listen, Loretta, we need you to promote your new book on the Lost City. You can't spend your life in the bathtub drinking Chardonnay with eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model, Dash McMahon! You do know you're not Dash, right? Dash is a character I made up. Dash! Oh, my God. Miss Sage, I enjoyed your book about the Lost City, and I believe you're the one who could help me find its treasure. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. Unchain me! That's your seatbelt. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm gonna rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR. I'm certified CrossFit. I have snacks. After them! Now, this is when Channing Tatum comes into his own, I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, that dog movie. Remember that one? Yeah. Was it called Dog? It was called Dog. It was called Dog. Did nothing for me. But watching him say, you know, be that brawny, silly kind of character. I watched that trailer and thought, yeah, this is for me. I'm going to go watch this on my own at the weekend. The one thing I... And I didn't. (laughs) The one thing I think about Channing Tatum is, and I feel like it's... It's something that people don't really notice. First of all, like, obviously he's my identical spitting image. Yeah, like, people totally. mistake us the whole time. Height, That's bigger, the whole thing. Everything. When he was in Wexford, I was actually just in Wexford I, that I day. Is, that. is all it yeah. was. Yeah, yeah you so. and that meerkat. Yeah, see, I, had, I was going around topless because the sun was out. So that's... <laughs> People, it happens all the time, Orla, so don't worry it about it. It was a really miserable day that day. Uh, you know me, I'll take off my top at any occasion. True. But I I think he's one of the most versatile actors going. Yeah. Because, like, okay, he's a great comedy actor, obviously, from, like, like whatever, like this, but also, like, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. Yeah. Hilarious. And even in the Lego movies and stuff, he's only in it for a short little minute, but mm. he's still funny, like, you know? Mm-hmm. But then he's in, like, Magic Mike and, like, Step Up and stuff, and he's, like, a proper kind of... I forgot he was a brilliant dancer, yeah. which is his kind of... Primary That's where talent. He started, yeah. yeah. And then he was also in things like Coach Carter and stuff. So he has that mm. kind of like dramatic edge as well. Like honestly, I don't think there's a movie where he couldn't That's a controversial statement. Fit in as well. That he's such a versatile actor. Well honestly, I like like tell me someone that's like someone along the lines of maybe a Hugh Jackman or something. Mm. But like <laughs> yeah. But honestly, he can fit into any genre. Well, next we'll see him on Broadway in some huge musical and then we'll know how versatile he, he was is in, in the Hugh Jackman sense. He was in Hail Caesar a few years ago. Okay. Do you remember that? And he had, he was like, had a proper musical number in it and his scene was the best scene in the entire okay. film. All right. But maybe, so, maybe we should give him, well, I should give him yeah. more than I do. But I have to say I love Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock, yeah. Well, my mom is a massive fan of Sandra oh, Bullock. Oh, I think well, she's so. brilliant. But I also think this is her being a bit typecast again. She always does this kooky kind it's, of... It's it's Sandra Bullock, a.k.a. The Proposal 2 kind of a thing for yeah. her, I, I do feel. Like, it's the same thing of, like, there's a lad that's with her that she doesn't fancy, but she has uh-huh. to kind of be with. And then yeah. there's a chance encounter. And then, like, they end up trying to kind of, like, falling in love a small bit. Like, you know, so it's like it has that... If I'd say if you liked the proposal, I did. I feel like you'd very much enjoy it. Was that this. Ryan Reynolds? That was Ryan Reynolds. Yes, I did like that. Okay, so give us the premise of this because it's a funny one. So it's uh, Sandra Bullock. I always get mixed Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock. Yeah, really? yeah, I don't know what it is, but Sandra Bullock is a reclusive romance novelist, mm. and she's releasing this book, and she can't find an ending since her husband died. She just doesn't feel for these romance okay. things anymore. And then she pushes, writes about these adventure hunts, and then this man played by Daniel Radcliffe, kidnaps her and brings her to try and find the treasure, which she had researched heavily when she was writing the book. Okay. And then they escape 
And then they, the rest of the movie is them trying to get away from okay. the thing. But at the same time, Sandra Bullock is also trying to find the treasure. Okay. So so it has a bit of a kind of fantasy element yeah, to it as well, then, with the treasure bit. It's, a very, it's very much a modern romancing the stone, if you've seen that. Okay, I have seen that, I think. Um, Brad Pitt, where does he come in? Brad Pitt, it just... He comes. He comes into it. So he's 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 Channing Tatum's trainer, okay. And he comes into it, and he just absolutely steals the show. Oh, I it's, love when it's he does like, that. It's like a Brad Brad Pitt is at the stage of his career where he doesn't need to do any movie for money. Do you know? So yes. he's one of those fellas that when he's in a movie, oh, like I make a special reading. occasion to well anything, but anything he's I make. Well, he's another ver- fellow that's very versatile. Totally, but totally. He's a fellow that. I feel like he doesn't he doesn't need the money, you know, he doesn't need mm-hmm. the praise, he doesn't need the acclaim, he doesn't need the Oscars, mm-hmm. you mean he doesn't need any of these things. Mm-hmm. So when he's in a movie, he's in it because he thinks it'd be fun. Yes. And when and I just when you see burn after reading because he was such a quirky character in that and is yeah. he a quirky character in this? He is, he's a very quirky character. He's a he's very much uh he's very much if 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 you're trying to describe a dreambow type character. Like he was literally, he's like re- re- reciting poetry and everything. Okay. Like, it's like, it's like almost a joke how much of a like the perfect man essentially he is, like, you know, okay. which is, I think is hilarious. But it's just one of those things that if you see someone like a, uh, a Brad Pitt just appearing in a movie, like he was in Deadpool 2 as well mm. for like a second, you know, mm-hmm. and like it's one of those things that he, when he's in a movie or like there's other actors as well that might just appear as a smaller role. It's because they're going to enjoy themselves, and that's yeah. why I'm always like, you keep an eye out for those ones because the ones that enjoy themselves, it means they're doing it because of they love it. Um, have you? Do you follow by any chance a guy um who does the glam bots at, at the Grammys and yeah, the Oscars? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. His Brad Pitt one is brilliant. I haven't seen the Brad again, Pitt one. Because again, it's there. real Brad. Just thinking, I'm Brad Pitt. Yeah, I'm just going to really enjoy this. And when he comes along, you think, oh, this isn't going to go well, and it's just brilliant. Yeah, yeah. have a look at. It. I think his name is Cole Wallace or something. Yeah, like that. he was on TikTok, but he's completely like he's completely the the thing to have all these galas and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. Um, let's quickly talk about Daniel Radcliffe as well. Um, the menacing billionaire. Yeah. Well, see, Daniel Radcliffe is another one of those fellas that Daniel Radcliffe does not need money. Do you know no, I mean? true. And the stuff he's been doing over the last couple of years, weirdest movies you've seen. Uh-huh. And he's just... Some work, some don't. Some of the, yeah, but like he's just happy. Like he's going to be, mm. he's going to be Weird Al in the Weird Al biopic. Like, oh, okay, you know? great. And if you've seen like behind the scenes photos, it looks <gasps> like he's just wearing a Halloween costume, do you know? Okay. And it's just so funny that like, he, he's he's an, like another they're all incredibly suppose versatile actors mm. like you know, so they can have the dramatic but they can also have the completely stupid elements as well like you know and he's he's one of those fellas that he does come off as a a fella that's just kind of a bit unhinged you okay. know and I feel like Daniel Radcliffe yeah he, he really sells it like you know so it, it, it's a very fun movie you've had a smile on your face throughout this yeah. review so an enjoyable movie as well as a fun one it's it really because it like has the romancing the stone vibe I really feel like it's the first movie I've seen in ages like you could fit into like an 80s movie type category. Do you know what I mean? Okay. People yeah. are always like, how come they don't make more movies? It does feel like kind of an 80s movie, do you know? Okay. And it is it is funny. There's scenes that are genuinely funny. Okay, I really so, like the sound of this. I think yeah. I'm going to go and see it before I go and see the movie I've been looking forward to all year. Yeah. You know what it is. The unbearable don't you? Weight of Mass Talent. The, is that next week you're going to review That's, that for me? Yeah, next week. Good stuff. I got you. But in the meantime, Lost City, how many black puddings? I mean, okay, you're going to be like, what? I'm going to give it like a seven, oh. right? But it's a fun seven. It's okay. not like a bland seven. It's not like a. it's passable. It's a seven of like, if it's on a Netflix and you're like, what will I watch? You're like, oh, that's fun. I'll throw that on. I, I'll watch that again. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's bad. Like, it's nothing going to change the world. On Like, it's not, it's not going to be like any movie other than A Great Time, do you know? Okay. And I feel like you need those movies as oh, well. Totally. And those are my kind of favourite movies. Definitely. So I, I would, need a yeah. great time. I definitely do. Seven Black Puddings out of ten. It is yeah. out in cinemas as we speak. It is called Lost City with those big hitters that are Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe and Brad Pitt. Like it's a really, like a big cast in there. Yeah, it really is mm. kind of out of nowhere as well. And like yeah. the, the, I've never heard of the directors or anything before this. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Let's try it. That. And yeah. he liked it. And he's going now. Goodbye. Good. Bye. <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.